Please state your name for the record. Peter Brent Simmons. I'm Chris Parrish, and you're listening to The Record. The Record brings you the stories you need to know about the Mac and iOS development community. Today, we have a very special episode for you. Rather than being a host, Brent is the guest today, and we're here in his office that has seen the birth of that Newswire, Mars Edit, Glassboard, Vesper, Manila. Sure. Yeah, Manila, even mm. here. Yeah, so previous. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so there's a many stories hey, these walls have... back. I've done a lot of work in this one <laughs> yep. room that's fantastic so I'm on uh, like my sixth sixth chair i think something yeah like that yeah. yeah that's pretty good that's, that's not, a lot uh, of sitting yeah that can be uh unhealthy you should you should think about <laughs> whether you want to keep doing that yeah. so uh we went over the most famous things in your career but i think that i would really like to know more about how you got started in this whole development business and uh attracted you to working on computer programming in the first place? Well, I think I must be one of the one of the first people to be a second generation programmer. Uh, my parents were both programmers. Dad was dad was a math major at University of Chicago, uh, recruited by DuPont, and so he was a guy who did punch card things. Uh, and he used to bring punch cards home and I'd play with them and yeah. I thought computers were cool. Mom was a physics major at University of Delaware and she also went to work for DuPont. Uh, we lived in the Newark, Delaware area, and she was doing, I think, more like scientific stuff. Uh, so she was Fortran programmer. Mm. Anyway, uh, 1980, I think it was, they brought home an Apple II Plus. And I already knew I loved computers, um, but I hadn't actually had one. Once I had one, uh, they really started teaching me how to uh, write code, and I, right. I just loved it. It was yeah. great. It was so much fun. Did your parents ever take you into work and did you see sort of the the kind of, I'm assuming, a little more sort of mainframe, terminal-based kind of systems that were different from the personal computer? Yeah, uh, I don't remember all that all that well. What I remember, though, is um, uh, the first time I used a computer, uh, it was a class trip, a uh, field trip, and went to the University of Delaware, and they had a system called Plato. Mm, and right. what was cool about that was had an actual touch interface. Yeah. It was not comparable to what we have today. Right. But, you know, there would be like um, uh, a grid of four things, you know, uh, like a multiple choice question right, test right, or something. Yeah. And you could, you know, tap one of those and it would it would understand. Right, and so right. actually when I when my parents brought home the Apple II Plus, I was surprised that there was no touch interface. Yeah. I was expecting that on day <laughs> one because I had already, that's what I had already used back in 1978 yep. yeah. or 79 or something. Um, I got over my disappointment with that quickly yeah uh, and only had to wait another 27 years right for a touch interface <laughs> to come back around yeah. to be to be mainstream but the the very first program i wrote was before i actually had a computer uh mom gave me a book on writing fortran and so i wrote sat down and wrote oh, like really? longhand you know a fortran uh, a for loop and i can't remember wow that's some dedication i don't think i would have yeah, had the patience to to yeah, do that yeah and, you know i was must have been 10 years old, maybe. Mom took it into work, typed it in for me, and yeah. uh, gave me the results, and there was a bug in the program. Right. And that has to be, I mean, we complain now about, you know, debugging <laughs> on device. This was super slow. Everything by longhand. Ferried through your mom, having to wait a day. I mean, yeah, that's debugging. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's even lower level than caveman debugging. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's mom debugging. Right. That's, that's tough stuff. <laughs> Well, that's pretty but awesome. I loved it right away. Of course, I got into all the things that so many of our guests have talked about. You know, I wanted to write games. Got into sixty five, mm -hmm. went to Assembler. Um, you know, did all did all that stuff. Um, 
man, it was just, it was massively fun. Yeah. Did you, um, did you do much on the computer besides program it? I mean, did you use it for anything else? Did you ever have like a modem and get online or anything uh, like that? So, um, no, I didn't. I didn't have a modem, didn't get online. Um, I was really into writing though. So I was right. in those days uh, writing a lot as, as I still am. And so of course I wrote myself a word processor and then oh, used great. the word processor yeah. to write. Build your own tools. Yeah. So, I mean, it was cool. So even at that, at that early age, my, my future interests were very, right. very much clear. Uh, and so the rest of my career has all been, been about programming and about words right. pretty much. Were you one of the, the lucky people that had a monitor or did you have yours hooked up to the TV? At first it was a black and white TV. Yeah. Then I, you know, I did the thing that uh, so many kids did, saved all their allowance for yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. So I got a, a green screen monitor. I think it was green screen. It was I, green or amber. Yeah, it seems like now. there was some of both floating around. At yeah, that time, and there was right? literature about which was better on yeah. the eyes. Uh, they were both terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but better than the TV. If, as I recall, the TV, the problem uh, was that it was really fuzzy around mm-hmm. the edges, right? The text looked super fuzzy, but the monitor you could get, yeah, crisper. Yeah. Text, yeah. And of course, yeah, uh, saved up for the 80 column card so I could have lowercase yeah, right? and 80 columns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the coolest thing I got was, I think it was called the ALF 2. Uh, this predates the sitcom named ALF. Right. has nothing <laughs> to do with it. But what it was was a card, and then we hooked it up to um, uh, like car stereo speakers. But it was, uh, it was yeah. a music. It was mm-hmm. a synthesizer. Now, yep. we had no, there was no instrument to play, play it with. You just used the paddles to literally um, uh, input notes on, right. on a staff. Yeah. And, but then you could change the sounds. You could affect the, I don't know, amplitudes and various right. settings. So you could get sounds that were kind of percussive, kind of violin-like. Really, it all sounded like cheesy yeah. computer yeah, music. But, exactly. but I made a lot of, of music that way. We also <sighs> had really a piano cool. and guitar and stuff in the house. So I would just write songs and then painstakingly input them you know, as, as notes. Yeah, into that's thing. pretty impressive little piece of hardware, actually, for the day. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like it something pretty, pretty cool and functional you could do with your computer at that point mm-hmm. that was harder to do. Did you remember... Um, uh, Electronic Arts uh, music construction set uh, came out. Heard you know, of it? I never. A little bit later, but it was a nice yeah. um, sort of first foray into consumer version of uh, ability to to compose and synthesize music on uh, mm. various personal computers in those days. But <clears throat> kind of reminds me of that. I think I remember that piece of hardware that you're talking about. Oh, like yeah. I remember seeing so it cool. in magazines and being like, "Oh, wouldn't that be great to have?" So, and it costs like 350 bucks or oh, something sure, crazy. Yeah. Everything yeah, is so right? expensive yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah, that's well. So that's interesting. So um, that kind of merged together pretty early on. Two things that I that I know you for writing and music are mm-hmm. both things yeah. that seem to be a big part of your life. And you managed to at a very early age, it sounds like, incorporate the uh, the computer into yeah. this pastime. I think I, w- I was the person I was going to be yeah. by age twelve <laughs> yeah. or whatever. That's pretty great. Yeah. What got you into music? When did you first start playing an instrument? That's a good question. N- neither of my parents were particularly musical. Um, you know they like like music. Um, neither, both of them hated the Beatles. Hated, <laughs> hated, um, hated the Rolling Stones. They were born in 1947, so they were okay. baby boomers. And they yep. should have loved this yeah, music. Yeah, should have been right in there. Yeah. Mom was especially into folk music, folk music and show tunes. Show so tunes. it was like yeah. either like Phil Oaks, not a not a Dylan fan. Phil Oaks, um, uh, some of the others I forget. Uh, Judy Collins. And it was that mixed with West Side Story and uh, the soundtrack to Hair. That was pretty much <laughs> what we listened to. But I think I picked up saxophone at school, traded it in for an acoustic guitar. 
eventually we got a piano and I just loved, I, I don't know why I just loved some music, loved music so much. I just played and played and played. Right. I wasn't programming or writing. I was, I was making music and right away wanted to write songs. Just, yeah, there was no question that the, um, the musicians I loved were also songwriters. And so it seemed obvious that, um, you have to write songs, you have to create something. New. Right. Yeah. And so maybe it's just some instinct in me that I couldn't just use computers. I had to make apps right. at the same mm -hmm. time. Right. So you made a word processor, any other significant, uh, yeah, I made, you remember uh, from those days? I made Delicious Library before there was Delicious <laughs> Library. Well, what it was was a database of all of my records, and I had a hundred, yeah. hundred fifty oh, yeah. records. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's no barcode scanner thing no, going right, on there. Yeah. No, it was just painstakingly type typing them all in, and then uh, printing them, printing it out, uh, sorted. I think I I could sort by artists, sort by. Um, release date, maybe, I can't remember. So I'd have several like long mini page printouts with different sortings printed out on my Epson MX80 mm -hmm. printer. Uh, and that was really cool. And then I'd get a new record. Of course, I bought records all the time. RCA Super Saver, especially for no, me. Not, yeah. right, of course. Yeah. And then I'd have to, you know, take the time to reprint the many, many pages right. slowly as I added new records. Right. Did you ever do the... Uh Columbia House, but you know, oh, 12, I totally 12 did. records yeah. for a penny. Oh, that was so was. great. Yeah, and then you only had to buy like two or three or something. Right, it was, exactly. It really was right. an amazing right. deal. But yeah. I think what they relied on was people being lazy, so yeah. they'd get charged yeah. for a whole bunch. But if you were a, a kid and paying attention, you would never yeah. be lazy. Get yourself you would, out of there. And yeah, it was great. Build up your collection. Yeah, yeah I got a perfect. ton of records that way. Yeah, that is awesome. You still have all those records? Yeah, I do. And yeah. in the closet, yeah. not all of them, yeah. but a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And some of it's like Cindy Lauper's first right. album. Oh, yeah. There's a, I can Born in the USA. The terrible crap I've got. And then there's, there's some all right things. Yeah, it was the Columbia House was all, you know, top 40. Right. Stuff, but I think the only thing I have with any creed to it might be The Clash. That might be the only vinyl I still mm -hmm. have that anybody would really have any respect for. London uh, Calling, though, still my favorite album. Yeah. And it may be my favorite album cover, yeah. too. I mean, yes, so also I good. I was just listening to it yesterday. That's yeah, so great. So, uh, did your did your schooling ever intersect with uh, your computer? No, not a bit. Hobbies? No, yeah. not one tiny bit. I, well, I take that back. Uh, my stepmother, maybe my stepmother to be at that point, took like a nighttime elective class in Pascal, and about mm. halfway through the class, she started bringing me there, and I just kind of sat through Hang it. Out. And I never did any Pascal programming other otherwise, mm. other than mm -hmm. just kind of watch the class. That. That was really the extent of my, of my training, right. formal training. Right. Otherwise, it was my parents and uh, later on working. So at some point, you must have moved on from that Apple II to something slightly more modern. Well, that, that took a while. So let's see. So after moving out of the house, I uh, went to college, didn't have a computer. Mm -hmm. It was a computer lab there. I think I walked into it once and didn't Which college touch anything. Evergreen, Evergreen State College in Olympia. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't use a college. I had a little... Had a little electronic typewriter. Hardly any of the kids in 1986 had their own computer. It was pretty rare. Electric typewriters were, were what everyone had. Uh, and it was a couple years later, 92 or so, when I started using computers again. Yeah. Which sounds funny. Yeah. There was like a hiatus no, a gap, where I just right? yeah. like didn't mm -hmm. actually use any computers. No, no, I take that back. In 1989, when I went to work at um, the school newspaper, I was going to Seattle City Community College on Broadway and um, school newspaper, the city collegian 
uh, I was there the first year that it was laid out using Quark Express. Mm, right. And we had a laser writer and uh, Apple II or a Mac, Mac uh, yeah, two early Mac. CX maybe. Yeah, sounds like reasonable. That. Sounds about right, yeah. Or so, 2X. I, I can't remember now. It didn't have a color screen, but it had the big, had the big radius monitor. Right, grayscale awesome. and yeah. 256 shades yeah. or something. Yeah. And so, yeah, I used a computer then. Didn't have one at home. Didn't have one at home until 1994. Uh, Silo was offering... 90 days. Silo. Does anyone... Yeah, so we might have to tell people that Silo, don't remember yeah. what Silo is. <laughs> Before Circuit City and all those, yeah. uh, Silo was where you went for stereos and everything. It, that was like the place. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really was the, the place. And the stores were big, but not as gigantic as like no. some yeah, of those got, got to yeah. be later. Mm -hmm. uh, but Silo was constantly having a sale. And in 1994, they were having a 90 days, same as cash deal, uh, where you could get a Mac. And I really wanted a Mac. Yeah. And she and I figured, uh, you know, maybe we could actually afford this if we do the 90 days deal. Right. So we did, you know, so we made our payments, three payments or whatever, and we, you know, did it under 90 days. And they still charge us the 90 bucks interest, those jerks. So then Sheila had to go through this, <laughs> like this campaign of letter writing and phone uh, calling and everything to get our 90 it took bucks to get back. back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but in those, uh, you know, I, I had a crappy job. I was working at Goodwill. Okay. As a book pricer, yeah. right? So I had no, I wasn't making money. Sheila's job, she had a degree. She she was in biotech. Her job was a little better, but still we weren't rich. Right, but right. Just enough money to buy a Mac. And then for Christmas or my birthday, uh, my dad got me Symantec C. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of being a book pricer. I want to be a programmer. That's a skill that might actually might actually be able to make make some money at. So that's how I got back into nice. it. What what made you decide that the Mac was the computer you were going to get? Like what? Previous experience or? Yeah, basically. So, if, uh, you know, I was an Apple fan for my Apple mm -hmm. two days. And then uh, I loved using a Mac at the at um, the school newspaper. And then I used Macs again when I worked. Uh, Sheila and I worked in a biotech lab in France, in Grenoble. And I was, mm -hmm. I was the secretary, basically. So I did... Um, you know, Word and Excel on Macs all, all day long. Right. That okay. Was, that was my job, and so yeah, I had used Macs enough, and you know, was a big fan. So there was no question. I was, you know, I wasn't going to get a PC, not for, not for any reason. Yeah. So I think you know what we went a little faster. We kind of we moved from you growing up on the East Coast, mm -hmm. and then to Evergreen, and then France. After Evergreen, is that um, the right order? I'm all over the map. Yeah. So, like, what happened there? How did you get? Yeah. All how did right, you cross? So, how'd you cross coast? And then how right. did you leave the country? Well, I'm the product of a broken home. My parents split up in 1981, I think. In the 1984, my mom moved to Seattle. In 1985, my little sister moved out here too. Was to it high school. Uh, work related? Is that what drew her out here? Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, um, her boyfriend, I guess, okay. got a job yep. here at Boeing. He was yep. in. Solar energy, photovoltaics. And she got a job at Boeing too. And so she moved out here. Melissa moved out here. And I moved out here right after graduating high school um, because I hated the area where I grew up. I, I did Most not want to stay anywhere near um, my family at the time. Right. Uh, and so I moved, moved out here. And the idea was I'd go to school at, at Evergreen, which is, I lasted two years at Evergreen. A fun two years though. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, those are the, the days of the Seattle music scene before anyone right. had heard mm -hmm. of the Seattle music scene. So uh, I was privileged to see a number of bands when they were still really, really crappy, playing yeah. dorm parties and stuff. Yeah. 
Uh, and it, it was just a lot of fun. It was a great time. Great time in Seattle. Great yeah. time in Olympia. Then something sent you to France. So, yeah. So, in 90, by 92, Sheila uh, had her degree from the University of Washington, a uh, biology degree. And she was working, um, I forget the title, uh, lab technician, mm -hmm. essentially. And the lab she was working for got an offer to um, get a whole new lab set up for them at the Institute of Structural Biology in Grenoble, uh, or Institut de Biologie Structurale, something like that, I, uh, EBS. Uh, and that was attached to the CEA and CNRS, which was like the Center for Atomic Energy and right. Nuclear Research. And there was a particle accelerator oh, there mm -hmm. in Grenoble. It was, and nice. I think an Intel plant. I mean, it was a, it was a high tech center. Yeah. And the population must have been 80, 100,000, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty nice, pretty nice place. And um, southeast, uh, not by the water, but, but near the Alps. And so, you know, um, when uh, uh, the lab head was offered, you know, a place, he's, you know, he wanted to take all of his people with him. So everyone went. And in order to, for Sheila and I to be able to afford it, um, you know, I needed a job too. So yeah, okay. uh, gave me, you know, a part-time job as, as a secretary. Really. Uh, that's I mean, really cool. You know, I was, uh, I wasn't writing emails. Uh, email existed, but barely. It was, you know, I was doing, I was faxing people. Yeah. I was going to mm -hmm. the, um, there was a, a library, I guess, with all the various journals and stuff. So I'd spend a huge amount of time chasing down articles and oh, photocopying. Yeah, um, right? Because it's not like you just look up the paper yeah, on the right, internet. Exactly, You've got to yeah. actually make some yeah. effort to get those papers. I, I, I basically was the internet yeah, for, the, nice. for these people. It's <laughs> the my gopher. job to the run around. gopher. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I was gopher. And so we were there for just over a year. But that was cool. Um, you know, living overseas for at least a year, I recommend to anybody. Yeah, sounds uh, great. One of the, we must have been though, one of the, last people to do it when you could still be really isolated mm -hmm. because we didn't, we, it was 92, 93. We didn't have a computer. The internet existed, but yeah, but you weren't but really the, using you know, it. Yeah. How, you know, how would we even have gotten hooked yeah, up right. at home? And right. There was no, there was internet at work, but only for the lab heads. And even right. then it was, you know, they could send email for, via pine. That right. was like all they had. So Long distance phone calls cost a dollar an hour. Yeah. So calling home. I think they still do. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, calling home, you know, was, we didn't have a yeah, lot of dollar money. Dollar a minute, so we didn't probably. Do it. Yeah, I'm sorry, right? dollar yeah, a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we didn't do a lot of that. Um, and, you know, not everything to read almost entirely was in French, of course. Mm -hmm. And we weren't fluent in French. Do you speak the so, language at all before you guys went over? Or was it a kind of a crash course? Uh, I had taken in? little in high school. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think I tried to do cassette tape yeah, learning right. a little bit to brush up, but no, I wasn't good at it. Um, but I worked half, half time. So I'd work in the mornings until a little bit after lunch. And then uh, it was my job to do the shopping. So I, see. I yeah. developed, you know, supermarket French yeah. more or less, or enough awesome. to be able to yeah. buy cheese and whatever, yeah, yeah. you know. Important things. Yeah, exactly. Wine. Yeah. But my main mission every day after work was to scour downtown Grenoble for the International Herald Tribune, which was mm. the English language newspaper oh, right. in, in mm -hmm. Europe. Because uh, otherwise we had nothing to read. We didn't own a television. We, all we could right. do was read. Right. There, was, there was nothing else. And, you know, uh, typically it was unreliably delivered. So this one place would have it most days, but 
Sometimes not, and then I had to go somewhere else. Sometimes yeah. a third or fourth location. And there were times I just struck out, just couldn't find, you know, there was just no totally International Herald Tribune, just not there. Um, occasionally I would find things like uh, the English language version of Macworld or some stuff. So I'd, you know, I, I would buy that. I would buy anything in English. I think I bought uh, even like, Penthouse magazine right, yeah, a couple just, times. Something, like, right, yeah. something with words in English to read. Uh, we did find a bookstore. Uh, I think it was called, might have been called Just Books, that had a lot of English language books. So yeah. that, that was helpful too. And when we shipped a few of our books out. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, we just spent a lot of, a lot of time reading and drinking Cronenborg. Um, uh, which you know wasn't great, and now I see it in America. It's like, oh, fancy import. It's like, <laughs> I remember thinking, this is crap, yeah. but it's cheap. Yeah. So. <laughs> this is how Budweiser gets around the world. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Budweiser. We bought. I bought one can of Budweiser yeah. once, and it must have been like five dollars oh. or something. <laughs> and I just wanted to see what it'd be like. And it didn't say Budweiser; it said Bud in big letters. The European. When we were feeling fancy, we splurged on Killian's Red. Mm, I don't right. even know if that still exists. I feel like I've seen it not too long ago. Yeah, yeah okay. I think it's still around, definitely. But the best, the best thing was we would buy. Sometimes we'd get wine instead of beer, and we, I would just buy the cheapest stuff. And like, it came in like a, a plastic bottle, like a water bottle almost, and it would be like 10, 10 francs, eleven francs, mm -hmm. which is like you know two bucks. And it was just like cheap wine, but it was so good. Yeah. It was like remarkable. I can only imagine. Really good stuff. And of course, you know, all the boulangeries and charcuteries mm -hmm. and everything. I mean, there was fantastic food, great restaurants. Uh, we were near enough to Italy that there were a lot of uh, Italian restaurants run by oh, Italians. Yeah. And uh -huh. just, you know, uh, especially along the, uh, there was a river, uh, Isere, that went right through town. And there was one bank of the river that uh, behind it was was the mountain. So there wasn't enough space for like one street with restaurants. And right. like half of those were Italian restaurants. Oh, that sounds perfect. Ah, they were so, <laughs> so, so good. I think I'm hungry for lunch right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a, a place I just went for fettuccine carbonara all the time. Just, oh my God, loved it so much. He would crack the, crack the, the, the raw egg right on, right. right on top mm -hmm. of it, you know, right there at the table and like thinking, they would never do that in America. Yeah. The help, help laws wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't even permit that. Right, exactly. So I'm, I'm anxious to get us back to Seattle and hear about uh, that first Mac, but I also would like you to tell me a little bit about one of our sponsors right now. Sure. Uh, well, thanks first off to Tagcaster. Tagcaster is a podcast player, uh, but with a twist, with a really cool difference. First, let me tell you where you can find it. Go to moonrisesoftware.net and click on Tagcaster. Or go in the App Store and search for Tagcaster, all one word, T-A-G-C-A-S-T-E-R. So it's a podcast player, but it solves the age-old problem of how do you link to you know, some section of a podcast? Well, what it does is it uh, lets you make short clips from a podcast show, and then you can uh, share those clips via email, SMS, Twitter, whatever, uh, and, they, and they have URLs, they, they live on the web. So... You know, if I say something particularly awesome and you've got Tagcaster, you can make a little clip and share that URL with other people or just refer to it later. And that was always one of the knocks about podcasts, right? Is that, you know, there's no like permalinking into some, some piece of it. Um, but with Tagcaster, they're totally it's. And so it's a free app, uh, but if, and you can search and play other people's clips, um, 
but for 99 cents, which is quite inexpensive, you get a yearly subscription that allows you to create those, those clips. And I, I think that's, that's inventive, that's cool. And uh, uh, hats off to Moonrise Software for finally solving this problem after so yeah. many years. That's such a cool thing too, because how many times has someone given you a video or an audio link and said something like, oh, and what I'm talking about is at 42 minutes in, just yeah, start, right, you know, sure, and you have yeah. to kind of truck along. And it's really cool if you could just send someone the little clip that you actually are interested yeah, in, yeah, you know, yeah, I think it's a great that. idea. The app's also really nice too, just because it's got a, a way to explore those clips that people have shared. So even um, if you're not looking to just make clips, you might enjoy browsing the app just mm, to see what some right, of the yeah. people have highlighted from some of the uh, streams that they're kind of uh, promoting in there. Um, so it's kind of a neat thing just to browse through and see what caught people's eyes and other or ears, maybe another podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Social podcast. Yeah, it's you know, yeah, it's great. It's idea. pretty cool. So thanks, Tagcaster. All right. So, we were having a great time in France. You came back yeah, to Seattle back after about Seattle. a year. Yeah, so. after that, you know, a kind of isolation that people just won't experience these mm-hmm. days unless they're, geez, even if you're in Antarctica, you probably have the web, right? right? I'm, you know, you could probably Skype if you're in Antarctica. Yeah, I think I've seen webcams from right, there. So like, there and stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, it was like the, just about the last chance to experience um, really for reals being away from home. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was, and being part of a different culture, you know, not that France is vastly different from the United States, but different enough, you know, right. to, uh, to be very interesting. But I was homesick after 13 and a half months mm-hmm. and I was happy to come back to Seattle. That sounds pretty great. So you came back and you were working as a book buyer. Good. Well, well, let's see. So, or did you do a few other things before that? Yeah, let's. Uh, I had a lot of crappy jobs. <laughs> I had two different tours of duty at Chinooks as a busboy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Well-known Seattle yeah. establishment. And as a teenager, I had worked as a busboy other places. I was a great busboy. Yeah. I could have made a career out of it. The pay wasn't great, but you got paid in cash, which was yeah. cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, being a busboy was fun. So I did that. I went to work at Goodwill as a book pricer. So the thing there is, you know, people donate books. Yeah. Well, I think probably ninety nine percent of them are disposed of. They're oh, I just, bet. Yeah. You know, they not in saleable um, shape. Um, so it was my job with uh, three other people to go through and pick out the ones that were saleable and then decide. Mm-hmm. And there were some loose guidelines on pricing. You know, uh, romances were ninety nine cents. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, science fiction hardback might be three ninety nine. That kind of thing. Right. I don't remember the exact guidelines, but, but then, you know, we had some judgment. We had our little pricing guns. I mean, go <laughs> right on, right on the. That's something I haven't seen in a long time is yeah. a pricing gun. My yeah. dad ran a retail clothing store and I remember having those and running around sticking prices on things. Mm-hmm. The worst thing though was um, I went deaf in one ear for about three weeks when oh. I started that job. And it was, um, it was um, the doctor told me it was just the accumulation of dust. It was because it was really? so, and you know, as you imagine <laughs> wow. what it's like, all the books. Yeah. Um, and that mixed with my own allergies yeah. um, was enough to make me go deaf in my left ear. Wow. Was there, was it just a wait until it clears out or did you yeah. have to treat it? Yeah. I, you know, I think we tried some tried drops some stuff to get it out. Yeah. But mm. It didn't really, what I just pain. had to like, it was just a, an allergic reaction. Yeah. 
Oh my god, that's maddening. I, yeah. I for five yeah. fifty an hour. <laughs> Jeez. I, I Did you snag any great books that came through for yourself? Well, see, that's the thing. They were very strict. It's like if you want a book, you have to go out and buy it on the floor. Yeah, I see. Yeah, you know, and um, we didn't really know. You know, we'd pass the books on priced, and we didn't really yeah. know when when it, it was going to show. Given up. box of books is going right, to show up. Right. Or, you know. So I would occasionally go after work, go up and shop for a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't think I got anything great. I got some nice things, though. So. No classic, rare, signed, hard No, no. <laughs> so <laughs> that was part of our job was to be on the on the lookout for anything right, like yeah. that, you know. And we had a, a manager who just sat and I don't know what he did. I think he read comic books all day. <laughs> and probably got paid more, right? Yeah, I'm sure yeah. he did. Probably six bucks an hour. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> but yeah, nothing of interest. I was only there like three months, but it was all I could stand. So that was giving you the motivation to uh, to seek out that Mac and uh, yeah, try something that's new. Good. That's exactly right. Yeah. And at the time, I thought nineteen ninety four ish, I was going to get into CD ROM like uh, games mm, right? and yep. multimedia kind of. Uh, but soon after, then the web came along and. Uh, Forgot all about CD-ROMs. But that was a big thing for a while in the first half of the 90s. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Creative outlet. Um, then came the web. Which was huge. Yep. What did uh, So was that, Mac, your first uh, portal into the web? Is that how you got It was, up? yeah. yeah. Uh, first, let's see. I don't remember the exact sequence, but I believe I had we had America Online, which... Mm-hmm. Probably came with it and like a free yeah, trial. Yeah, it was probably a, a CD in something. the box or something. Yeah, right? yeah. a dozen CDs, and mm-hmm. that was one of them. Um, but I also got a dial-up account at Eskimo, which was local. Right. Yeah, I remember that uh, bunch. Uh, but it was pure dial-up, right? That that was you know I was using Z term or something to mm-hmm. connect to it. And so the first look I had at the web was through links. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. might have to describe that to links was a terminal terminal based browser. If you've never used one, well, you're kind of missing out uh, because the web can be really, really fast and not particularly annoying. Good point. <laughs> if you're using a terminal-based thing that doesn't understand Flash or JavaScript right. or CSS right. or any any damn thing, it doesn't have to load images or or whatever, it's you know it's like boom now yeah, that's the web. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, At this point, so much of that content's hidden behind images and. JavaScript yeah, right, that sure, yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. probably very few websites you could even yeah. interpret from from links at this point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the other, but the other thing at the time was also Gopher, and Gopher mm, was right? like a way more structured kind of thing. And so Sheila and I used to have lengthy arguments about which was going to win out Gopher oh, or the yeah. web. She liked Gopher better. She liked the structure. Yeah, yeah the adding some little. Yeah, you know, just weird. But I thought. I thought the web would probably do better than Gopher in the long right. run. A little more room for And it's like the one, the, you know, uh, the one time I think I was right and Sheila was wrong. Uh, the rest of the time. <laughs> the rest of the time. She's Better way smarter that. than me. <laughs> <laughs> you had probably a glacially slow modem. and uh, Yeah, 14.4. Right. Yeah. But for dial-up, yeah, yeah. that's not bad. For America Online, uh, it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. And you were probably using... Oh, I don't know, Alta Vista or maybe Yahoo or depending yeah, is at the right time. So oh, yeah, a little bit later than I, you know, America Online didn't even have a web browser. And so I needed to get um, uh, some kind of dial up. And I, there was a place called CNET in town mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they may still exist. And that, you know, I had to go out and get 
whatever Mac TCP and yeah. Mac mm-hmm. Mac PPP or whatever. Usually, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. usually it was PPP. Some did slip, but usually yeah, it seems like it was PPP. I think it was PPP. Yeah, because the Mac didn't even have a didn't understand TCP mm. natively. You had to go get the stuff. Yeah, all the networking was Apple Talk usually, right? Mm, on the Mac, right. they kind of built in stuff. And so, yeah, you had to shove so in some long... system extensions to yeah. <laughs> be able to even connect, right? Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. But then I got that, and I got that at the same time as Netscape 0.93 mm-hmm. beta. I still remember the, the right. version number. Uh, and that changed everything. Yeah, oh, seeing, right? Seeing Nets, yeah, yeah, seeing Netscape. In those days, the backgrounds of all pages were were gray. You couldn't see even set the background right. color. But still, it was obvious that, wow, this, you know, there were images be a big and styled deal. text. Mm-hmm. And like, wow, this is going to be like the biggest thing since computers themselves. Right. And it sure was. Right. Bookmarks were incredibly important mm-hmm. because you and couldn't get right. back to stuff easily because yeah. you couldn't just search for right. it, right? yeah. And there wasn't very damn much on the web, though. No, it was really, yeah, it was kind of amazing. I mean, there wasn't any services really very much. Right? Yeah, right. It was right, mostly yeah. just kind of random content. And, yeah. Uh, Yahoo was there pretty early, and that was, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember even using their search fe- feature early on. I yeah. just remember, like, browsing through using the Using them as, like, a p- portal, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. It was a hierarchical list of stuff. And then okay. when I first used it, it wasn't Yahoo.com, it was... Stanford.edu. something. I oh, think. yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, I had totally forgotten. Yeah. yeah. You were probably at this point using FTP to fetch things mm-hmm. off of the yep, sure. as well. The Info Mac mm-hmm. uh, archive. Right. Uh, yeah, you could find all kinds of cool apps. Yep. Shareware, yep. of course, in those days. And so you'd open oh, yeah. it up and there would be a thing like, um, often from Kagi. And it was like, here's oh, where yeah, you mail your kind of, check. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there was no, no online purchasing. <laughs> right. You know, it was, yeah, mail your check here and then you'll get back a code and then, um, then everyone will be happy. A lot of the apps expected you to mail a check and they, but they would continue to work. They weren't, right. They it weren't was just like sort of the honor system like, kind of, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone got rich off that, but I think in those days, you know, the, you could probably actually rely on the honor system to usually be usually work with the audience yeah. at that time. Yeah, that yeah. small, you know, hardcore geeks who were yeah. doing that kind of thing. Am I crazy? Is that how it worked with Doom when that game launched? Like I kind of feel yeah, like that, yeah, or maybe it was Castle Wilson. One of those early, hugely successful video games was, uh, I don't think that, you know, there was no online purchasing part of it that I recall. Maybe there, maybe I've got it wrong, but <clears throat> it was certainly right around that time that that stuff was starting mm. to come around, but it wasn't quite there yet. For me, it was, uh, the big game was Maelstrom. I love yeah, Maelstrom. Yeah, on the Mac especially, right? Yeah, I wasted half my life yeah. on Maelstrom, I so, think. So Maelstrom was an Asteroids clone that um, had what looked like, if I remember right, 3D rendered uh, sprites. So, yeah, so it wasn't right. like a 3D game, but someone had taken a 3D application mm-hmm. or done some job of, by hand that made these really nice looking sort of 3D ships yeah, and, right. and, and, uh, and, the asteroids and rocks and whatever. Yeah, and then, yeah, right. so, it, so it looked pretty sweet because, uh, you know, at that time, most Macs ran at about double the resolution that uh, your typical PC would when playing a game. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, it was like maybe we were 640, and your typical DOS game was running 320 by 200, right? right? right. And so Max didn't quite have the horsepower to always like all of them power that for the whole screen. What time, I can't remember, what type of Mac did you say that you got? Uh, uh, by the time had? I was playing Maelstrom, I'm not sure what I had. It might have been that. Let's see, it was a Quadra yeah, yeah. 600. Ah, Jesus. Yeah, Christ. I know, right? I that was remember. the worst name. No, I actually had a perform- had I bought the, we bought from Silo. Perform- the Performa Lots of 604, numbers and letters yeah. after it. Yeah. It was yeah. it was not 40 processor though. Yeah. But like the yeah. lowest 
power one. Right, yeah. right. And so, yeah, I remember uh, Maelstrom, like, oh, this looks really good. You yeah, know? Right, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Did you ever, by chance, uh, what was the popular screensaver during those days? Um, oh, boy. What was uh, it called? Flying, flying The flying toasters, toasters right? Yeah. But there was like, uh, was it called After Dark? After or? Dark. That that's it? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there, uh, someone had made a video game inside the screensaver, and it was called Lunatic Fringe, and it was kind of an Asteroids-like mm, game that okay. had similar kind of rendered graphics. Did you ever play that one? No. Like, it was kind of funny. The screensaver was a worthwhile video game to waste your time on. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Why not? I'll have to look that up. we got to find that one for the show. Yeah, it's yeah, Lunatic Fringe. Yeah, I think it was Lunatic called Lunatic Fringe. Fringe. All right. Yeah. But, yeah, remind me of that. I, those were great days of uh, those early Mac shareware games. Uh, mm-hmm. I, re- I remember um, Maelstrom was... Uh, uh, what was the name of the software company? Uh, it was Ambrosia. Remember? Ambrosia, thank yeah. you. And uh, I remember kind of idolizing those guys and the Bungie guys because mm-hmm. they were seeing success from from doing that. And uh, when I'd first moved out here to Seattle, I started working on a sprite kind of engine for video games for the Mac. Mm-hmm. I was working on audio components too to do uh, uh, audio bits. And I'd had some question about how difficult something was to do. Uh, like multi-channel sound on a, Probably a news site, probably Usenet news site or something. And Andrew mm. Welsh, the Ambrosia guy, answered mm. answered me privately and said, "Here's what you gotta do. Do you want to just have this? I've got this source code we use in all of our games. If <laughs> right, you'd like yeah. to just use it." I was yeah. like, "Wow, that was that was like my real eye opener really cool, of how cool yeah. the Mac community was for yeah. programming at that time." Um, kind of jumping ahead though. So you, what? When did you? So you got that uh, uh, semantic or think C at that time, mm, whichever yeah. it was, um, compiler, and. Were you starting to write software? Yeah, starting time? to really, really slowly. Yeah. Um, because I was going from having learned basic and 65 to assembler, but not having done any any programming since like right. 19, yeah, really in like 10 years. Yeah. It had been yeah. 10 years. And probably the type of programming at this point is is kind of different. I mean, yeah, right. you know, I, Very uh, Victorian programming is coming around and mm-hmm. doing what everyone does and quite a bit different than the kind of procedural stuff that we all did on those Apple IIs. Right? Yeah, but even still, you know, C was a long way from basic. Yeah, really different enough pointers were, from assembler, yeah. e- even you know. Yeah, um, that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was slow going at first. It was also hard too, I think, because we just didn't have the resources. I mean, right now, can you imagine how often do you run into a problem that someone hasn't put something on the internet about to give you mm, a clue? Right? Sure. You know, right, yeah. like, or if you just forget the syntax for. Yeah, something right. in your language or something like you know maybe you do this with block syntax today. You know? I actually in the little <laughs> yeah. um, uh, bookmarks bar in my browser I have an item called block syntax. Yeah, that right. Goes to yeah, that but one page. When you're <laughs> learning here, like those resources are just not there. Maybe you had right, to go yeah. buy a book. Maybe you're lucky if your IDE came with some pretty good documentation. Yeah, and Symantec you know? had yeah, a lot of good documentation, but yeah, still it was it was yeah. it was tough. So, but then what happened was. Um, you know, I was just uh, browsing the web one day and uh, just, I think, looking for free Mac software, you know, because mm-hmm. I was just sure. download, you know, stuff I didn't yeah, know see about. Yeah, see what's new. I was yeah. always, always doing that. And I ran across, uh, Dave Weiner had just released for free uh, Userland Frontier 4.0 right. beta yep. or something, called it the Aretha release. I had never heard of Dave Weiner or Userland mm-hmm. software mm-hmm. or uh, I wasn't... Um, you know, hadn't used his apps from before or anything like that. But I'm like, ah, oh, free thing. I'll, I'll download it. And it turned out to be a scripting language development tool. 
And so I've been, you know, struggling to get in to see. Uh, but this I was able to take to really, really quickly and like do actual, actual things. So it was um, uh, a very nice uh, on-ramp, you know, right. back into the world of programming yeah. by, by doing scripting. Yeah. Because, there, you know, Apple Script existed, but... Uh, and yeah. just even though I wasn't a good programmer, yeah, in the, you knew better. I'm like, it's like this is just <laughs> right. way too hard and weird, <laughs> right? Uh, but Frontier, I took to like, yeah, it was like, it was like a fish who had just discovered water and like, right. oh, I've been waiting for this yeah. my whole life. You know, I, I never, I knew that Frontier existed, but I never um, really used it for anything. But I have been really curious, and I. I want you to go into some detail telling us how Frontier, what it, what it was. But I think that before we dive into that big topic, why don't we stop for just a second and talk about one of our other sponsors for this special episode today. Well, we should talk about Igloo. Oh, good so one. So Igloo, Igloo makes um, internet kind of thing. So it's uh, uh, free for up to 10 users, which is very generous. That's very good. Um, after that, it's just $12 per user per month. But the idea is you get an internet with calendars and microblogging and comments and you know all the stuff a group of right. people group of people would use um and they call it it's an, they call it an internet you'll actually like and i think that's true uh they also make a big point of saying that it's a sharepoint sharepoint alternative right that you'll actually like now i'm i'm the rare mac user that's had some experience using sharepoint um in my previous job not a ton of experience because I really just hated it. <laughs> you every, wanted to get out while you could. aspect of it. Yep. You know, Microsoft's a big company. They do yep. some things I like, like Azure. They do some things I just can't stand, like SharePoint. Oh, yep. SharePoint's awesome. Oh, just awful. Igloo is 180 degrees opposite. Igloo is is really nice. Nice design, nice functionality. Um, and and for free for up to 10 users, just yeah, so easy. Yeah, that's a great way to get yeah. to know if it's going to work for you. Yeah, pretty absolutely easily. right. Get started with, you know, uh, maybe your company's bigger than that, but you can get started with one little group, see how right. it goes. Yeah. Um, so if you go to igloosoftware.com slash the record, you can find out more about that. Yeah, it's fantastic that somebody's uh, taking this on and trying to make this usable and something that people enjoy using because these collaboration tools are so important for running mm, modern businesses and teams of any size. And, if you've got something that people avoid using, you're going to miss yeah. capturing a lot of efficiency and data and, and uh, you know, things that make running your team or your business so much smoother. Mm -hmm. If you get people to the point where there's no friction in that, then you've got this really useful yeah. tool. And so right. I think it's great that these guys are working on providing those kind of services in a package that people want to use. Uh, thank you very much to Igloo. Igloosoftware.com slash the record. Yeah, thanks for that. All right, so let's go back. So give me like the high-level overview of what uh, Frontier was. Okay. Um, so it, it's an entire environment. It's, it's a desktop application with menu bars and windows and everything, but it's an entire environment. So there is a database that's hierarchical. So it's, it's made of tables. Tables can contain tables. It's tables all the way down. Uh, tables can contain other things. They can contain numbers, strings, binary data, a uh, lot of different different things. Uh, but they can also uh, contain window-based data. So you might have an object in a table that actually opens up into a text editor. Another one is an outline. Uh, and another type is a script. Oh, wow. And scripts are also edited in outlines. Um, and so you access everything 
uh, using dot notation, you know, foo dot bar dot whatever. And to call some script from another script, you would just type uh, foo dot bar dot whatever, mm-hmm. parentheses, params, if there are any. And um, it was just, it, it made persistence really, really simple. Right. Uh, because you browse the table in in a GUI, the, the entire database is all like there and in front of you, you know, and you're never using it was written before there was a command line on Macs. So right, right. Never using the command line for anything. You're, you know, it's um, it, it's hard to hard to describe how yeah. that integration of those things just really came together. But right. But for somebody new to new to programming, it's especially wonderful. You know, because everything is everything is touchable, everything is seeable, everything mm-hmm. is moldable, moldable, understandable. Um, there's like not nothing. You know, no hidden magic or anything. It's just all right there, and you point and click, write some scripts, and do really powerful things really simply. Maybe this isn't a great description, but it comes to mind is uh, it sounds kind of like a melding of a database and hypercard or something. Yeah, bit. sure. Is that kind yeah. of a... I've heard people call it hypercard for adults. Okay, all right. Um, yeah. Now it didn't have like any great uh, GUI builder or anything right, like that attached right. mm-hmm. to it, but um, but yeah, you could do. Uh, very impressive things. Right. Now, would people build um, apps that they would give to other people with Frontier, or would it be more something that you would build a customized thing kind of for yourself? To- um, you you could. Uh, people certainly, um, there was a concept early on of a thing called a suite. So there was a table called suites. And mm-hmm, within mm-hmm. that table, then you'd install um, suites that were created by other I see, people. other people. So you always had to have the software for the runtime, essentially, mm-hmm. to right. to have it. So if I if you had some, created something in in Frontier, I would need my own instance yeah, of Frontier right. to run it. Okay, mm-hmm. I got you. Yeah. What kind of things did people build in it? What was it? Uh, what was it? Well, when I got into it, uh, uh, the web was just getting big, and and WebStar um, was a Mac HTTP server um, right. that ran on System Seven, and I'm sure on Eight and Nine later on. Um, and Frontier was a great way to add dynamic stuff to your site. Otherwise, you're writing CGI scripts in AppleScript, yeah. which is uh, brutal. I think there might have been a way to use Mac Perl, uh, but Frontier was really the uh, you know fantastic thing yeah. because you know you could you had your database and all that you know goodness right there. Right, so it was yeah. really easy to um, do uh, really quite powerful uh, services. Right, uh, without, interesting. Yeah, you know, MySQL and whatever else. You know? Yeah. Okay. So that that was my main use. I actually released an app um, called Spotlight. And of course, this was '96 or seven before Apple started using the name. And what that did was um, provided uh, site search capabilities for your um, for your application. So it used Frontier and FileMaker Pro. Okay. So there would be a script that went and indexed all the files um, inside the web documents folder or whatever it was Mm -hmm. and um, dump those into FileMaker Pro. And then, so then when the search CGI is hit, that sends um, an Apple event from WebStar to Frontier, which uh, builds the page of search results by then sending an Apple event to FileMaker Pro yeah, to run a yeah, search get that and back. get that data yeah. back. And Frontier, uh, my scripts and Frontier would build the page, uh, reply to the Apple event from WebStar, which would then right, you right, know, yeah. um, just you know return the HTML data to the browser. Right. And um, it sounds kind of crazy, but it worked well. Yeah, sold yeah it's a lot of little pieces glued <laughs> yeah. together to make that work. Huh? Yeah, yeah. 
So was it, uh, what was performance like on that? Like, was it pretty? No, it was crap. Yeah, it was, it was it? terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the, wor- the worst part of it, I think, was actually the nightly indexing script where oh, we just go yeah. through and re-index mm-hmm. everything um, for a big, big site. One of the places that bought a license was um, the Indianapolis Star Tribune or whatever. Oh, yeah. And um, of course, it's a newspaper. It's a lot bigger than my own like, company site <laughs> I was. Can only imagine. So running that, that indexing script was. Right. You know, and there was d- damn little I could do to make that faster. I mean, Macs right. were slow. Yeah, yeah. You know, what yeah. could you Hard do? were slow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sold 10 copies at 99 bucks each. Nice. <laughs> Made a grand. <laughs> it's not bad. First, yeah, yeah, it was all right. It's good. Good for you into professional software development. Mm-hmm. So that must be... Uh, for a good, good introduction to failure. Yeah. Uh, now, that was... I had three products. The other two sold zero copies. Oh, yeah. So this so, was... The, yeah. <laughs> this was my hit. Right, yeah. I smash hit. But clearly it gave you some experience with Frontier, uh, which led you down the path to to bigger and better things pretty quick, huh? Yeah. So then, um, you know, I was a member of the Frontier community and uh, I started working with Dave informally on, you know, fun projects. And before long, I was a contractor uh, for Userland and then an employee. Okay. And yeah. that was great because, um, you know, I was there at Userland. Um, I... You know, I can't say that Dave invented RSS. Uh, he did invent OPML. It depends, you know. Right. Different different things he either um, helped flesh out and helped popularize um, at, at a minimum, right? right. So, and that mm-hmm. includes blogging, RSS. Podcasting. Uh, podcasting, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, the, you know, there was a lot of stuff that probably wouldn't, ex- wouldn't have existed that we take for granted um, uh, if he hadn't been on that amazing creative streak. Right. And... Uh, yeah, I was there for that. And, yeah, and that must have been cool. I learned a ton. I learned what it was like to develop software for like more than 10 other people, but to have like mm-hmm. thousands of users and right. um, what, it, what, it, what it means to make stuff uh, simple, what it means to package stuff, um, you know, how to treat your users. Um, right. You know, right. I, just, you know, I learned a ton about programming too. Um, so it was a great period. So this is really the, the equivalent of my... Um, it was really an apprenticeship. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of well, college and apprenticeship all, all rolled all in together one. into one for yeah. six years or whatever it was. Was Userland based in California or? Yeah. So Dave at the time lived in Woodside. Okay. Um, and I was here and uh, Jake joined us. Jake Saban joined us in 99, I think, or 2000. 99. He lived in San Francisco, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, and Scoble. Was he here? Somewhere in Silicon Valley, I okay. think. Bierman lived in Millbrae. Doug Barron lived in Palo Alto. So it was mostly yeah. California. Yeah. Okay. But we were we were distributed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Pretty pretty early to have such a distributed company. Yeah. I feel like yeah, that wasn't as common was. at yeah. that point, right? Yeah. Yeah, but heck, you know, we had email, so yeah. and telephones. Yeah. Yeah, and the internet. Yeah. Yeah, and the internet. <laughs> Starting to make yeah. a difference. So what you guys were doing uh when you started there, was it all? It was all Mac stuff. Yeah, it was. Um, but you know, in those days, um, the Mac Macs were going to go away. Yeah, it was, it was clear that Apple was mm-hmm. the Apple was doomed. Um, so we were working on porting Frontier to Windows, and that port shipped. Okay. Uh, yeah. I didn't contribute to the initial port outside of like testing and right, you, yeah. know, um, mm-hmm. you know, feedback and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
later on, I took over kernel programming. So I actually had to write. Had to do some Windows. Write out a Windows machine in that <laughs> Visual Studio and oh, wrote, some, nice. um, wrote some code. Um, I didn't actually have to do very much Windows-specific code. Right. Um, because we had a nice layer of abstraction yeah. there. Um, but the whole app was written in C. There's no, yeah. What were you using on the Mac side to? Code Warrior by then? Yeah, like Code close. Warrior. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But not Power Plan or anything. No, not, just you know, all Mac app, toolbox. Just, and, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There you code go. Warrior was great. Visual mm-hmm. Studio was um, was actually, you know, okay. Other than the fact that it was on Windows, so therefore I hated it. <laughs> yeah. I Having had to use Visual Studio a lot, I just hated navigating it more than anything. I felt mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. you know, speed-wise and the features of the debugger and everything was great, but... yeah. If you had a complicated project and getting this, I don't know that Xcode's much better, honestly. But yeah, <laughs> at the time, sure. I felt like it was a lot harder to to figure out how to make anything, any kind of changes, and it might have been the size of the project I was working on. But yeah, also I just was never into everything crammed into one window. Though we seem to be in that world all over the place now, so yeah, lost yeah. that battle. Yeah, that battle totally <laughs> lost. I'd say I missed the day, missed the days. I mean, you know. Mac apps didn't have toolbars. They didn't have multiple Mm-mm. panes per window. No. It was yeah. far more elegant. You know, yeah. a window was a view, yeah. basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was cool. I didn't mind that. You know, we we used to make fun of Windows users that they just weren't didn't have the mental uh, power <laughs> to be able to handle multiple <laughs> windows. Oh. They had to have everything in front of them Microsoft all at once. Window. <laughs> yeah, not Windows. And in fact, that was a real that was a real debate I had when I was writing. Net Newswire in 2002. Oh, and I'm bad. like, am I really going to do this stupid mm, toolbar and everything <laughs> all in one window thing? I know that's getting popular, but it's so wrong. It's not uh, Mac-like. It's At least on the Mac, the toolbars were, you could actually make out the icons. There was enough yeah, pixels in yeah. the toolbar buttons that you could make an image that you could recognize and right. maybe understand what it does even. Right, because they were like 16 yeah. pixels and you only had... For a long time, just yeah. a very few colors on yeah. Windows to, oh to deal God. with. Those yeah. toolbars just cram oh. full of weird esoteric buttons. It was terrible. Uh, uh, I hate that awful. <laughs> but you weren't tortured with it for very long. You got to No, I got over it. it. I'm yeah. like, you know what? This, it looks like uh, I think I'd seen Project Builder. So I'm like, okay, this yeah. is the mm-hmm. way the world's going to yeah. go. This is just going to be how yeah. it is. Um, so you're, how it is so on yeah. Mac. So you're down I, inside I with it. Yeah. Code Warrior and you're, and you're tinkering with C. Mm-hmm. Did Userland ever ship a, a Cocoa version? They didn't, did they? No, right? no yeah. Cocoa So everything version. was carbon at best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, barely did it barely carbonized. It did, modern? actually. Yeah, in fact, it's, it still runs. Um, oh, nice. Uh, because, partly because Apple has taken a really long time in deprecating things. Yeah. Well, they deprecated QuickDraw and OpenTransport, but they... The only thing they removed that the app depended on was open transport. It was removed oh, in yep. 10.9. Mm-hmm. It actually survived all these wow, years. And it worked. Wow. Yeah, it did. And yeah. QuickDraw still works. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. So maybe for just in case for people who aren't uh, as Mac uh, embedded as we are, uh, QuickDraw was your your graphics and imaging framework yep. that mm-hmm. was all over the Mac. And so if you did any text or drawing, it was all going through QuickDraw printing even. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, uh, open transport was basically how we did our network. Right, our stream based. Yeah, uh, I think it was acquired from a company called Mentat. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, we'll Mentat Streams there or, something. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds that sounds completely correct. So, <clears throat> you you did a lot there. How long were you at uh, Userland? Um, 
It's hard to remember the exact dates. I think it started as a contractor in 96, maybe 97, mm-hmm. and then left in early 2002. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And, and by 2002, I was just, uh, I was just burned out. And I, and I also felt like I had learned enough to um, go out on my own. Right. You're ready. And I'm like, ready yeah, to, ready to do it. Take that step. Yeah. Um, along the way, I, I did some, uh, I did a lot of, a lot of work, but the thing I was most proud of was um, blogging and CMS thing called Manila. Right, and yep. we had um, a hosted version of that where you could, for free, you would choose the first part of the URL, and then it would be dot editthispage.com. Uh, and later, we had dot Manila sites, a couple others, mm-hmm. and we had, I don't know, it was figuring the six digits. I mean, it was a lot of people. Nice, and you had some influential early yeah, bloggers sure. that used this platform, right? People like uh, Daily Coast was originally dailycoast.editthispage.com. Yeah. Um, yeah, Joel Spolsky. Robert Scoble, who was also a Usland employee, um, I think it was talkingmoose.manilasites.com, something like that. <laughs> Talking Moose. And it That's was, such an yeah, it was, it was great. And that was, um, that was written right here in this room. And my That's blog awesome. nowadays was originally, well, I got to have a blog if I'm writing blogging software, right? That's, yeah, That's of how course, that blog right? came to be. Yeah. So it was a Manila, Manila site also. Did uh, you start, uh, so that was the beginning of blogging for you? Is you know, I had for my first blog was probably in 1996, mm-hmm. and it didn't last more than a month. Uh, I did another one probably in 98 or maybe early 99 that also just fizzled right. out. Right. Um, but that, but inessential.com was finally the one that that, that stuck. stuck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So since I'm like October, November 1999. Wow. I thought I was late to blogging. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Because you know, David been doing it for years. Right, yeah. So, you know, what took me so long? Right. Uh, now, now it's hard to find a blog older than that. There are some, but yeah. you had your you had your significant achievement of Manila at Userland, mm-hmm. and then it's time to move on. Yep. So I think we should get into that story right after we talk just a little bit about our final sponsor, Hover Hover dot com. So Hover is a domain name registrar. And, you know, the way Igloo's a SharePoint alternative, you'll actually like an internet, internet you'll actually like. Hover.com is a domain name registrar you'll actually like. That's um, awesome. And they're really cool. I was using Network Solutions because back in the day, that's all there was. Network Solutions sends me an email that they're going to charge me, I think, for the first year and $1,350 for every subsequent year for a feature I didn't want. And furthermore, to get out of that, I would have to call them up and opt out. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. Well, I'd I'd put off, clearly I'd put off moving my domain names uh, for too long. And when I went to make the decision of what to, uh, where to go, um, Hover was the first first thing that came to mind. And the yeah. reason for that is, you know, I know a lot of people who use them and they say great things about them. And so then I went and switched to Hover. And um, and everybody was right. Yeah. Their service is wonderful. Uh, couldn't be happier. Um, so I moved Ranchero.com and Inessential.com, my most important domain names, over to Hover. And I, I've been totally happy. Um, so we should give you... Give you um, an offer code and, and you'll get, uh, I think 10% off. That's a good deal. And the offer code is Manila, M-A-N-I-L-A. Mm, I love that offer code. I love, I love Hover because, you know, we talked about this, uh, in the last special and, you know, registering a domain and you get through all this jargon thrown at you and C names and 
a records and blah, 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 blah. And this Man. stuff is so crazy to think that people who are busy just running their own business or doing their own thing are going to take the time to figure all this out. And I love that uh, there's somebody working on making this more approachable. My wife just recently needed to register uh, a domain and I just said, go to Hover and mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything and it all happened. Yeah, so yeah, I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah. It worked. Yay. Well, one of the, one of the nice things about Hover too is that, yeah, I'm, uh, you can transfer from another registrar. And they have That's something called idea. the uh, valet transfer mm-hmm. service, which means they basically do all the work for you. And, right. and it's right. just and that's, and simple. That's like potentially so cool. a scary process if you're running yeah, a business sure. or something, you know, and you're like, am I going to break everything yeah, for right. some period yeah. of time? Like when I transfer this, having some help through that part is uh, yeah. uh, fantastic. I yeah, and they, yeah, they know what they're doing. They've done it a zillion times already. And I think you get like an extra free extra year or something with that. Um, Oh, nice. Uh, like they renew the domain for a year, I yeah, believe. That's part of that, you know, yeah. which And so it may cost, as I recall, $10. Don't hold me to that for the transfer, but you get that free year right. renewal. So yeah. I, I think you're still saving money. Yeah. You guys are doing good work. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thanks to Hover.com. Use the offer code Manila, M-A-N-I-L-A. Okay, perfect. So you're done at Userland. RSS read the first idea? That's, you were planning on going to work on it as you left, or did you I, take some time just to, to find out what was going to happen? Yeah, first thing I did was get Aaron Hillegas's book on mm, writing code because I knew I wanted, wanted to write apps. I was hooked on RSS because of, well, being at Userland, RSS was a big thing, and there was a, an app called Radio Userland that included an RSS right. reader, so I, it was a browser-based thing, but uh, still, that was enough to hook me. So I, I was thinking, you know, I had a few different ideas for apps. And I knew I wanted RSS. I knew I wanted to write it myself. And I was torn. Should I make that my first Cocoa app or should I just um, also want to learn Python? So mm, like, interesting. I yeah. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll just write a set of Python scripts that like just for me, run on my machine mm-hmm. and bring me my yeah, yeah. RSS. And I was pretty 50-50 on what, what to do. Yeah, I forget how I decided, but I, I think it was... I, I think I just wanted to work on Cocoa more than I wanted right. to learn Python. So yeah, I just yeah. started started doing it in, in Cocoa. First thing I wrote was Mac Newswire, which okay. was uh it was before Net Newswire and it was just to like get my feet wet. And then the idea was it was an RSS reader that only read like five feeds, Macworld, uh mm-hmm. Macintosh, maybe a few other ones. So you would you'd get the app and you would just see like the list of yeah. titles and then yeah, yeah. you'd uh, select something and you might get like a little description, then double click it, opens in your, in your browser. Right, right. Very, very simple thing. Right. Sounds like uh, a perfect iPhone app. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. And, and that was cool. Uh, there's probably screenshots somewhere. I'll put them in the show notes. Um, but I knew I needed to go beyond that. That was just like a free little like way of getting started. Uh, so Net Newswire was, you know, I had written obviously some HTTP stuff. Um, XML, RSS parsing bits. So I took those and put them into NetNewsWire, um, uh, where you could actually add subscriptions, mm-hmm. you know, and then eventually everything else. But that first version was done before WebKit existed. Oh right, yeah. So WebKit didn't Net come till Safari, right? Yeah, so right. Yeah. So the first version of NetNewsWire shipped for OS 10 10.1, I believe. And um, you could sort of do HTML with NS attributed string in it with HTML or whatever. Mm, oh, and I it would remember. actually do yeah. like Rendering links. Simple. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Super simple, but enough to actually work. Yeah. Now I couldn't embed a browser. So if you wanted to open a right, page, it would open, them out. open in um, 
Microsoft Internet Explorer, probably, actually. <laughs> probably. Come on, OmniWeb, come on. Yeah, OmniWeb, Camino. Right. Yeah, yeah, Camino. I used Camino yeah, in those days. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, but I think the default browser that shipped oh, with the sure. OS was yeah, it, it, that came MSIE, with it for a while, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it's a crazy, crazy thing to remember. Yeah, um, painful thing to remember. Yeah, but it, but it worked. And most people you know, hadn't heard of RSS at that time. So this yeah. app came oh, yeah. as something uh, to a surprise, like, what you could do? What? Mm-hmm. What is this? Yeah. You know, uh, was this your first like real foray into writing like a uh, user interface too? I mean, I'm thinking about the project you told me about previously, and it seems mm-hmm. like they're largely right. Well, a little Ma- more on the back end, right? So now Manila had an awful lot of end user yeah, interface, for the um, and that was um, browser based, of course. Yeah, but okay. you know, there, there was um, a great deal of of user interface I there. Yeah. and um, I had learned Frontier a lot about grown that. to provide. Ways for you to build, uh, yeah. Like web yeah, pages there, and there were yeah. some nice, okay. nice bits in the frameworks we okay. developed to to do all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was it was in the it was in the process, I think, really of Manila mainly that I learned so much about how to simplify mm-hmm. user interfaces. Right. Um, and so I just took that when I when I moved to Net Newswire and I tried to be as ruthless as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and it must have been enough because it worked. People yeah. Well, yeah. It's. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's yeah. famously uh, fantastic interface for what it does. So. Still, though, I'll, I'll have to put screenshots at 1.0 in the release notes because <laughs> when you look at them, I think in in your memory, it probably looked like a lot better <laughs> app than 1.0 <laughs> right, actually right, was. Probably. It was. Right. It's, but everything on OS 10 looked kind of bubbly yeah. and funny and big and, and, and yeah, you know, and like. And, but but the and thing is, not, I never got more. Um, uh, compliments on a beautiful app than 1.0 of NetNewsWire. Yeah. Nothing yeah. I've done since right. has been right. more more uh, more complimented for for its beauty. Right, that's pretty awesome. Uh, amazing. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if you had the experience I had when you first started doing Cocoa, but um, you know, toiling in the toolbox and custom frameworks at Adobe and everything, and just doing anything with UI would took so much effort. Mm-hmm. And I felt that it was so amazing that you could get so much with so little effort that looked good at the same oh, time yeah, with Coco. Right. Like all those things came together. It was like mm-hmm. fantastic. I just, well, in that, in that era, so much, so many apps were still uh toolbox apps that have been carbonized yeah. mm-hmm. or done with real basic. Right. Yeah. Or so, even some Java stuff yeah, maybe, right, or, yeah, you know, like just weird stuff. So yeah. almost all you needed to do to create an app that people would call beautiful is to just write a Coco app yeah. and use yeah. the stock stuff, stuff provided, and right? yeah. get someone to make you yeah. a nice and then, app and then just and done. have some taste and, yeah, uh, right. overloading the interface with a million buttons and options and yeah. 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 What was the reception to NetNewsWire 1.0? Was it a hit out of the gate where you like I'm I'm successful or did it take a yeah. while before you were like I can live on this, I can do this? Yeah, I could live on it from day 1. Yeah. Um, now it took 10 months of development to get there mm-hmm. and along the way I shipped uh NetNewsWire Lite 1.0 which was free. Right. Um but the reaction to that um um, I mean, people like loved it so much. Yeah. Was there I, was there a long well. time between light and the final? Eh, two three months maybe. Light came yeah. out the previous November December, yeah. and the okay. final shipped in like March eleventh or twelfth of two thousand three, right. something like that. Well, that's kind of a savvy marketing move, probably in the end. Yeah, I think oh, the way yeah. that did you mean for it to happen like that, or was that just I I what? I was looking at the. Yeah, I did. I was so yeah. I was thinking of a few things. One was I was thinking of BB Edit Lite. I was oh, before yeah, before right. Text Wrangler, mm-hmm. right? And that having a light version was a good idea, especially for um, a new unknown title, right? And it occurred to me that I could 
since that would be free, I could release that earlier and that would help build up demand for right. the full version. Um, but of course, it's up to me to make sure the full version actually has enough Have extra enough to stuff make it worth to it, yeah. make it worth it. Um, it also, it also, I wanted to set the bar with NetNewsWire Lite for any future competition, saying if you're mm-hmm. going to write an RSS reader, Could you have to be at least as good as this thing because yeah. this thing is free. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, and then on day one, I, I don't remember the sales figures now, but I was blown away. Yeah. This was, you know, 2003. So many so many fewer Mac users than, right. than exist today. Um, it was clear that Apple was doing better, but not clear that they were, it was still yeah, not clear not that the they woods. were yeah, out of the woods. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, but yeah, the sales figures were great. Did did you, I can't remember, did 1.0 have your curated list of uh, feeds? It did, okay. yeah. So that, yeah. Was, yeah, that was also another great idea. Right, because yeah, people didn't know RSS or how to subscribe to a right. feed. Right, yeah, so, so it get had, them started. Had, yeah. I can't remember, 1,000, 1,500 or something yeah. right there in, to, to start with. That's a lot of feeds when you think about it for what feels like the beginning of hmm. RSS. What were people using to read those feeds before that? Uh, let's see. So a few feed readers existed. Uh, Carmen's Headline Viewer was okay. a Windows thing. All right. uh, I think Cinderella was a little more full-featured. May have existed by when that newswire shipped. Uh, Radio Newsland was still Radio around. Radio Newsland, of course. Um, uh, Amfeta Desk was okay. um, an open source. Um, probably ran on, I'm sure it ran on Macs, uh, Linuxy mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. kind of thing. May not have run on Windows, but it also did a, like a browser-based interface. I'm not sure if it used MySQL or something. I don't recall now. Probably written in Perl, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's uh, that's about it. So yeah, the the number of people reading RSS through RSS readers was was not very big. Now some of the portals there were still portals in those days, and they would display like a list of headlines for okay, various sites, and they were yeah. often using RSS yeah, to do that. In fact, RSS that. was invented for my.netscape.com, uh, uh, which was a portal, and yeah. they wanted this to display you know, yeah. headlines. And so that's where RSS came from initially. You must have been full-time then right away from the launch. Yeah, of, uh, yeah for sure. That newswire. Yeah. Start working on 2.0 immediately, or did you take I some did. time? I did. Well, you know, <laughs> I think we did 1.0, 0.1, 2. I think we went all the way up to 1.0.8 maybe. So right. there were a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things. Um, I've still really, you know, it, it was the first desktop app I, that I had done, mm-hmm. you know, like a full desktop app that was mine from start to finish. And so I had a lot to learn about that. I, had a lot, I was still learning Cocoa. The source code for NetNews R 1.0 is, would be the most horrifying thing <laughs> you've ever seen. It is, it is truly awful. Right. Not only, yeah, I was still learning Cocoa and still thinking like a toolbox programmer trying to yeah, bend hard, it all right? in wrong yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah, it was just atrocious. It worked though, is the thing. Yeah. It, it worked quite well. Um, uh, and then I went to work on 2.0. And 2.0 shipped um, in 2004 or five, I guess. Uh, whenever Safari with RSS came out. Oh, that was like right at two. Right at the, right yeah, at the same Yeah, I remember time. that now. Yeah. yeah. And sales for NetNewsWire doubled. So yeah. I was already doing well. And then I was like, yeah. Oh Were you sweating it though before that when you saw that? I was that worried. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know how it would affect it. But what happened, I think, was that basically RSS got the Apple seal of approval right. as a technology. So suddenly people learned about it. 
And um, yeah, it brought some awareness to the whole yeah. thing. Right? And at the same time, NanuSware 2.0 was a vastly improved app over NanuSware 1. Um, uh, NanuSware 2.0 almost almost looks like a modern Cocoa app. Right. The, the not that far away. Whereas 1.0 looks impossibly far away. 2.0, you bring in web views and yeah. all mm-hmm. of that, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, much better icons, um, et cetera. Um, yeah, and 2.0. 2. Um, for 2.0, we also dropped the blog editor that had been part of 1.0. Oh, I forgot that was in 1.0. Yeah. 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 Uh, that was in 1.0 because um, Radio Useland, which I had thought of as my competition, was a blog editor and RSS reader. Right, I'm like, right. well, the category obviously demands that they go together. Uh, but also, it makes sense if you're a... Um, if you're, a blogger, you want to read some feeds and maybe comment and link to some of those. Why not have that be integrated, right? It actually made a kind of sense. But I'm like, nah, let's make this a separate app. So we made that Mars edit and then just had a button where you could still blog from NetNewsWire. It's just that just it would open. Right over to Mars yeah, it's mm-hmm. an Apple event to Mars edit. And I did the don't be evil thing. Um, you could set that your blog editor to be Ecto or, sure, or any right. of the others yeah. at, the, at the time. Uh, any app that I published a little spec for Apple Events interface, one single event to handle. It was all, all right. it took. Uh, but mainly I was thinking about Mars Edit. So. That was pretty, I mean, that's two pretty sizable apps for one person to be maintaining on top of I was tech busy. support. And yeah, right. Whatnot. Well, Sheila did I mean, a lot of the tech support. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. You know, the really difficult stuff uh, came to me, but she did a lot. And for tech support, the hardest thing was actually Mars Edit. Because um, you know that's using external uh, weblog editing APIs, and well, every blog system had different ways of of doing things. They all had, yeah. all had their quirks. Mm-hmm. There wasn't that much consistency. So with certain things, um, you know, movable type, for instance, it was quite straightforward. But then there would be like, well, here's something that ships with um, Mac OS X server. That's just weird and doesn't do it like anything <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah. And we'd have to. Try and figure out how to yeah. get it to work, and then write up a thing for Sheila to use. Um, you know, when people inevitably, inevitably right. contact her about it, and uh, and so on. That was a little tricky. Um, that newswire support was a lot easier. Uh, what what happened there mainly was that there were people who decided they would just become Sheila's pen pals. And <laughs> I just really, want to have. And they really yeah. love the, the software, and that's great. Yeah. But they would just like write really long emails to yeah. Sheila about all the things that they love to see in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of back and forth. Uh, but yeah, uh, we were both uh, extremely busy. But yeah, it was fun. But it, it was busy, so much fun. Right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And when did you get uh, the first of those eddies over there? Uh, 2003, I think, for NetNewsWire 1 and 2005 for NetNewsWire 2. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Right out of the gate. That's just fantastic. Yeah. I haven't won one since. Yeah. But Do they still get them right. out? I don't think they did either. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, perfect. Yeah. So those are heavy, damn, yeah, heavy, damn things. Yeah. At some point, not too far down the road here, you move the whole package over to uh, NewsGator. Yeah. Right? So in two thousand five, um, the thing our, my users really needed, even though it was before the iPhone, um, they needed syncing, and they ne- needed not only syncing between versions of NetNewsWire, but between NetNewsWire and that. Piece of shit PC they have mm, at work, exactly. right? right. Um, and there were a few people on trios or whatever, maybe. But mainly, it, it was right. that they needed not just syncing, but the cross-platform computer and the home syncing. Computer. Yeah. And the only company doing that was NewsGator. 
and NewSkater um, had uh, browser-based thing, they had PC things, but they didn't have a Mac app. And so... Did they already have VDemon at this point? Was that, yeah, they okay. had acquired that like six months prior. Uh, and I respected the hell out of VDemon. It was the one Windows RSS reader right. that was worth anything. Mm-hmm. And Nick Bradbury and I had become friends online. Uh, maybe met once or twice. Right. Um, so, you know, it was it was just such an obvious fit. They needed a Mac app, and right. why not get get the best one? And I wanted syncing, um, and I I wasn't going to write syncing that would work between my app and other apps and run and maintain these servers and stuff. There was no way that was oh, going to yeah. happen, uh, especially not. I mean, maybe I actually could these days because yeah. the development environments have, have changed, changed a bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, but in, More in, options. in 2005, that was... It was unthinkable, not right. even remotely thinkable. Right. Uh, so yeah, uh, they acquired NetNewsWire and also got a two-year contract for my services right. to mm-hmm. work on it. And then I just stayed because why not? I love my working on my yeah. app, and that's where it was. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so I did they? For a long time. Did you have to go approach them, or did they come looking for you to fill out their Mac? Uh, um, Greg had hole. contacted me, and then I kind of blew him off. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, you know. Really think I need to do something. Uh, I should reply to Greg. Right. <laughs> so it was kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little like, of yeah. both. Yeah. Okay, that's perfect. So the very next, I, you version. know, I don't think I ever told publicly. I'm sure it's it's safe by now to say that uh, the other there was another suitor for Net News. Oh, Wire. okay, yeah. Um, and I probably told the story at bars. I really hope hey, this won't get me in trouble for now. <laughs> uh, but Microsoft was interested. Oh, in, interesting. In um, yeah, in Net News Wire. And it looked for like, maintaining a Mac version, or was so it no, that's yeah, the thing. Right? Yeah. So now they would have they would have uh, they would have spent more money than Newscater spent. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, but the deal is, um, so the deal is, NetNewsWire for Mac would have gone into just right. maintenance mode at best. But what I would have done was, uh, they already had the two other people hired. I would have led a team of three people to write a desktop RSS reader called NetNewsWire that would have shipped on every version of Microsoft Windows. Oh wow, yeah. Which yeah, you know, some, some reach. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of people, right? right? I mean, yeah. you know, coming from the macro, world, I'm yeah, thinking yeah. about how you know what are the numbers, right? It's like that's that's getting my stuff to a crazy amount of people. Now it occurred to me, you know, that's what they're that's what they're saying, and it may not what actually even really work do? out that way, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But but even assuming it, you know, it could, it's like, you know, that that's their intent. That's um, yeah. That's hard to turn mm-hmm. down, and so, really so, is, so down. is more money. Yeah, uh, that's really hard to turn down. Uh, and it, and it turned out that um, they were, you know, they were telling me there were all these Microsoft executives who were big fans of that newswire who like owned copies. And right, I'm like, they've got Macs illicit, somewhere. Illicit Macs <laughs> <Yeah>. and Net Newswire. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I thought to myself, uh, as, as cool as that idea is, um, uh, I'm a Mac guy. Right. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna screw over my users, either yeah, my yeah. existing users, by like stopping giving them updates. Um, you know, so even for you know the uh, the nice you know thing that would have done with for my ego and the extra money, it just wasn't, wasn't worth, worth it. it. Wasn't so in the end, it wasn't really a hard decision to make. Uh, but I did fantasize, you know, for a little bit about like mm-hmm. my software on all of those computers, right? Because you know. That's an opportunity that not everybody gets. Yeah, it's huge. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, and I guess that when you said no, they didn't do it, right? I don't. Think yeah, they, they didn't yeah, do it. So. Yeah. I think they baked in RSS to some versions of Outlook, maybe, right? But uh, yeah, that's about it. 
How are things at NewsGator? I mean, you're sailing along there. Yeah, sailing along there. NewsGator, uh, they were the, built around RSS, the RSS company. We're syncing, we're updating, we're having a lot of fun. It's cool. Um, then they started to feel like maybe they weren't the RSS company mm-hmm. anymore. Right. Um, maybe they are a company that writes internet plugins for SharePoint. And that's right. actually what they are. That's what happened. <laughs> and that's what happened. And, you know, so, you know, they encouraged me to come up with, you know, some other product ideas. And yeah, we did. And tried a thing called Taplinks, which didn't re- really work out. Um, which we sold to Push.io, which is right. Joe Pasillo mm-hmm. and Dan Burkaw. Um, then our last, our last chance really to come up with something, um, was Glassboard. And we were trying to spin out into a, into a separate company called CPL Labs, you know, with NewsGator's blessing and NewsGator right. would have owned most yeah. of it, yeah. mm-hmm. then, you know, uh, but we wanted to, you know, branch out and do, do a thing. And so that's how Glassboard, uh, came to be. There were six of us and, you know, Glassboard you know, did respectably in terms mm-hmm. of mindshare, right? I mean, right. Oh, yeah. you know, certainly my peers know about it, but um, um, while we were in charge of it, it never became profitable, uh, especially not with six, with six people, people on payroll. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. asking for a lot. Um, so it was fun though. I really liked Glassport. But then there was a change of leadership at NewsGator. Uh, the CEO retired suddenly one day, mm-hmm. uh, got a new CEO. New CEO wanted us Glassboard people to work on their mobile app for um, for their internet uh, uh, SharePoint yeah. mm-hmm. weird thing, um, and it was that basically. Or we have six months of funding to make Glassboard profitable, and there was just no way we needed yeah no way more than six months. Um, so you know, I, I think we all agreed to work on their. Um, their enterprise mobile app just because that way we weren't suddenly cut off from healthcare. And right, whatever. exactly. You right, know, yeah, just having the whole, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, and for me, I didn't really care, but for, you know, every, yeah. everybody else but one of the team was younger than me. And right. So I agreed to do that, but it became clear pretty quickly that, well, um, yeah, it's uh, it's time to leave NewsGator. And, uh, you know, it, it took me being kicked, uh, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, to finally get out, um, uh, but I did, and that was a smart move. So now I'm an indie again. I'm yeah, a couple other guys got a company named Q Branch, right? Uh, Vesper, which is a note taking app, and hopefully uh, I'll just be doing this till the end of my career. It's, yeah, well, it seems like you just really cool. dove right into uh, yep. yet another another project as soon as yeah. you were done with News Newsgators. So. Yeah, and I, I you know. I love being in India. That's where I'm happiest. Right. That's where mm-hmm. I do my best work. Clearly, my, you know, my greatest successes have come when I when I'm in India, um, and so there's, you know, I think it's all tied up, um, you know, with being able to work on what I really want to work on, uh, right. work on, work with the people I really want to work with, um, and that that makes me more creative and better and right. my morale is higher. Yeah, and all that kind of well, stuff. Well, so. it certainly results in a lot of productivity. I mean, you mm. guys have gotten. You're basically one developer and you've cranked mm-hmm. out Vesper and now the second version is coming soon that adds sync, which yeah. is a huge problem that lots yeah. of software teams seem to not be able to deliver after years of yeah. trying I, to make I, that happen. To, you know, I, before going to work on that, I paid attention to how long it took uh, cultured code yeah. uh, to do for, right. for things. Yeah. And it was quite a while. And their problems are similar to ours. I mean, mm-hmm. to-do lists and a notes app, in terms of data, just about the same damn thing, right? So... Um, 
yeah, I was kind of afraid that, well, this will take me two years. Yeah. Uh, so it only took be. seven and a half months or so. Must be, must be exciting to <laughs> climb that mountain. Yes. Yes. About to. Of course, as we're recording, nobody but our, but, uh, but us and our beta testers have used it. So right. I have no idea what's going <laughs> right. to happen as soon as this is actually, it's gonna actually out. I, it's gonna yeah, I, I can't help but be um, anxious though, because right. you know, that's, it's, that's a whole lot of people and anything yeah. could happen. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one thing that we kind of skipped over a bit when we were talking about that is many of those products, every, everything that you've started since you were indie, you've managed to find a home for it when you weren't the person working on it anymore. Um, yeah, that's right? true. That's true. I mean, I think everything like yeah. it seems like, um, that um, news wires at black pixel. Mars yeah. edits at, uh, with Daniel at yeah. red sweater. Tap links is at push IO, which was, I think acquired by yeah, they just Oracle or something, something or just recently. I remember. Yeah. yeah right. We'll so have to catch up with those guys. There. Yeah. But as far as I know, the app, you know, the thing's still there. Yeah. Uh, Glassboard, of course, uh, Justin Williams yeah. is just yeah. really, really yeah, running with that. Breathing some new great. life into it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, I'm so happy about because yeah. we, we use the app in internally. That's our main yeah. uh, method of communication for yeah. our company. Yeah. I use Glassboard all the time. I mean, yeah. there's many, many people I know who depend on it. So yeah. I'm glad that that found a home after all that. Yeah. I use it with my family a lot too. Yeah. yeah. So, how yeah, long so till, uh, you nothing, is, nothing has been killed that I <laughs> that I started since 2002. But yeah, I'm never going to sell Vesper. <laughs> no. This is the one you keep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we'll add some stuff somewhere down the yeah. road too. That'd yeah. be fun. You've been doing a lot of iOS development. You got any plans to get back into Mac side of things in the future? I think it's given the release date of this. I think it's probably safe to say, oh God, if 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 we're re- uh, all right, listeners, we're recording on Monday, and this is supposed to come out uh, the following Friday. As we speak, um, our app is waiting for review. So, um, hopefully, by the time you hear this, it's past review and has has been announced and everything. Uh, as part of that announcement, we're going to say that the next version of Vesper is uh, is a Mac app, and so I am in fact. I have a building Mac app nice. now. It builds and it shows a window and there's nothing in the window. Uh, but underneath the hood, <laughs> underneath all the, important all the bits. data layer, data mm. layer and syncing layer and all that stuff all like compiles and stuff as it should. You would expect yeah, right. all that to be completely cross-platform, um, at least between iOS and Mac. And it right. is. Well, you've uh, had several, several attempts at this sort of uh, cross-platform apps that are sharing mm-hmm. pieces, right? So I got to think probably... This time around, you're going to have done uh, gangbusters. Sorry. Yeah, okay, yeah I've, I've nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. But that newswire was always a problem because I didn't feel like the code that was shared was uh, was was good enough. So I kept revising kept it. Right. So I would do it, an yeah. iPhone version, um, then do the next iPhone version and revise that code. Then do the iPad version and and revise that. And none of that matched the Mac. And right. It's, and and having all those different versions uh, where the under the hood stuff is all different. It was insane. So I wanted to get that get all that together. All, yeah. And I did actually get to the point where I was um, very, very close to perfectly happy with that when I released NetNewsWire Lite 4.0 for Macintosh in, right. uh, what was that, 2011 maybe, early 2011? Right. That was the last NetNewsWire shipped. And so the the foundation for that would then have been the foundation for the updates to the um, iPhone and iPad apps. Right. Um, 
so I got there. I just never got to actually ship all the yeah, versions. Yeah. <laughs> but a good experience, right? I yeah, mean, it was, to, yeah. to go through that and and so I have that now. That, so right? doing a Mac app yep. is um, is just a UI job. Yeah, which is not to diminish. No, it's that. a big it's, job. That's yeah. a big job, but yeah. it's just that. Yeah. It's not that and, yeah. and something else. Well, people are going to be thrilled with it too. I think that uh, you know. I, Personally, you know, I love my iPad. I use my iPad probably more than my phone, but mm. I, I think that Mac's the right, right yeah. way to go, and it's going to be a great companion to the to the iPhone. It really changes how you know how how the app works in a lot of yeah. ways because suddenly you can you know copy and paste you know, yeah, big right? amounts into it, and you can yeah. type using a real keyboard and everything. It's it's it changes the app a, a ton. Well, and it, it provides that that conduit where you're you're out and about, and you can start something. And then you can flesh it out, you know, yeah, getting right. that when you're mm -hmm. down at your desktop or your other work environment is sometimes yeah. pretty useful, right? So I think people are going to love it. Yeah, I hope so. And I hope it doesn't take too long either. Yeah. But I'm so excited. I love writing Mac apps way more than, yeah. I, than I love writing iOS apps. And I do love writing iOS apps. Wait, so you get to crash reports. Let me tell you, you might not like it as much. <laughs> my shit doesn't crash. <laughs> I used to think my shit didn't crash. And then we shipped Mac All apps. shit crashes. There's always Damn some. It. There's always some. There's always yeah, some context. It is. It's tough, isn't it? But we did ship Vesper 2.0 for iOS without any known crashing bugs. Yeah. Without any Vesper's known sinking bugs. Ridiculously yeah. solid for me and all of the even every beta I've ever had from you guys, every instance yeah. of it has just worked really well. And we'll, a, we'll ship the Mac app without known yeah. crashing bugs, but yeah. God knows. I feel like that's a characteristic of all Brent Simmons software. Mm. Always very, very stable software. Very it's nice. important because yeah. it's really, really annoying when stuff isn't. Right. Yeah. Um, performance is also hugely important. People yeah. don't take that enough yeah. into account sometimes. Oh, it's so easy to, you know, when you finally get to the point where you're thinking about performance, you're you're up against deadlines yeah, and you're sure. and you're tired and you just want to ship it. It's hard. it's yeah. so easy to put that off for so many people, I think, right? I I think but, about it. I think about it fairly early on when I'm, you know, architecting a data layer right. for instance, you know, I you know, I'm like, how can I get all of this stuff off the main thread? That's right. really the mm -hmm. biggest question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just don't ever want to block the main thread yeah. ever because I'm running a cool animation there. And yeah, I don't yeah. want that to be stuttery. Yeah. I really, you know, that that reminds me, you talking about that makes me uh, remember how great it is that you've gotten back to blogging a lot recently um, and the transparency you've had with what you're working on in Vesper. And I think it's great that you often codify like... Uh, the rules and the the procedures you follow for some of these things complicated, like threading and things. Like, mm -hmm. so you'll go out there and say, "Here's my rules, and this is how I do it to keep myself sane." And those are fantastic things to put out there for people to reference. That uh, for someone who's been in the trenches for a long time mm -hmm. and gone through this uh, several iterations of these things, right? You've tried yeah. it all, right? You know, I'm not I'm not some brilliant guy. I'm the yeah. guy who tried everything right, until right. they finally. So it's just you know, it's found, the perfect yeah. uh, digest of that whole thing. So I love it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I love writing, so yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. and people have enjoyed enjoyed uh, the Vesper Sync Diary. Uh, yeah, series right. That's going to so be so thing, useful for so many people. I think, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Um, next thing will be the Vesper Mac Diary. Yeah, yeah. that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, especially uh, you know, actually, this is I think this is perfect timing for you, considering here we are on the cusp of uh, uh, WWDC, mm -hmm. and for what. Rumors that are probably pretty solid about a decent redesign for oh, yeah, the Mac. Sure. And so you're not going to have to redo your app. You're going to get to start with the new stuff. It's <laughs> going to be I'm perfect. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Speaking of WWDC, well, this podcast will come out Friday. Yeah, right. So right before. Yeah. People will probably listening to it maybe on the plane, flying in Sunday or Monday. I think that uh, 
listeners should come join us at the part 55 piano bar at some point <laughs> and get a taste of your, uh, your other talents besides software, your right. ability to play any song and convince <laughs> people who have been drinking too much to sing. Right. Along. So that, so <laughs> one of the things about my musicianship is I don't actually have that much, but if you've been drinking, I sound pretty good. <laughs> you sound great. It's perfect. I love how you. Uh, it doesn't really doesn't really matter if I've been or not, uh, but if you have been, yeah, yep. then it's fantastic. The the only problem is that the bar's on the second floor, and the third floor is largely empty except there's just a piano sitting there. Right. Yep. Um, so it's not exactly a piano bar. Well, maybe I mean, we, we may make there. it that way. Yeah. I mean, yeah that may we, be we'll, that, we'll that we're able out. to reconfigure things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. We can probably work stuff out. Um, we, uh, worst case, we just bring our flasks. Yep. Can always make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Brent, this has been a fantastic episode. Oh, um, thank you. Um, everyone should be sure to visit our sponsors. Uh, it helps us to keep doing this. If you can give them a little yeah. bit of attention. So. Tagcaster, Hover, and Igloo Software. Yeah. All, all good, solid products. So check those out. We'll see you soon. Au revoir.